Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Purple Insider is presented by Liquid Death, delicious water that's bringing death to plastic. Learn more at LiquidDeath.com insider. Another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Sports Illustrated's Will Raggett, as we always do leading up to the game. But, you know, for what has it been now? 16 weeks, we have done a hardcore preview where we dove deep into the matchups that would define this football game. And then we predicted outcomes at the end of games. And you know what? We did pretty good at that this year, except for me imploding with this Green Bay game in terms of my predictions. But aside from that, though, uh, you know, that there's kind of been a formula for how we do the show. Well, they're playing Nathan Peterman and the Chicago Bears in a mostly meaningless game where they're going to play their starters and they're going to play to win and they probably will. And I don't know what else I'm supposed to say about it. The Bears are absolutely horrendous and there's no reason the Vikings shouldn't get that point differential to the positive by the end of this game, Will. I mean, what what is it that you would like to say about Vikings-Bears? Well, for starters, do we actually believe that they're going to play their starters? Because Kevin O'Connell said that earlier this week. He was asked if like it would be more, you know, minor changes like Harrison Smith gets a few series off for Josh Metellus and various things like that. And we see Brian Asamoa and things they've already kind of been doing for a few weeks since wrapping up the NFC North. Or could we see like Kirk Cousins on the bench, Jeff Justin Jefferson, players like that? And O'Connell said it would probably be more subtle because, you know, the two seed is still in play. Uh, technically, that is true. I have a very hard time believing that David Blau is going to beat the San Francisco 49ers as like 15-point underdogs when the Niners have won nine in a row and still, with an Eagles loss, are in are in the mix for the one seed. Um, so I, I think the Nathan Peterman news might change things, too. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but it's hard for me to believe that like the Vikings are going to go out there and, and go all out and... and play all these stars on the soldier field grass, which is notoriously kind of iffy, especially after what we just saw in Lambeau with their footing issues um, and like go foot on the gas the whole way. And maybe if they're struggling and they're like letting the bears hang around and Nathan Peterman, then you can then you have to, if you want to win the game. But I think the ideal scenario here is you put your guys out there to start, you take an early lead and then you start mixing in Nick Mullins and Jalen Rager and, some of the guys we saw who played pretty well in garbage time at the end of that uh, Packers game on Sunday. So, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to really come up with a lot to uh, get people fired up for this one. But uh, still a very interesting time for the Vikings because you've got this game. And then 
then it gets really real the, the following week. Yeah, and later in the day, things are interesting with you know what happens with Arizona, although the fact that they're not playing DeAndre Hopkins is a pretty clear white flag from the Arizona Cardinals. We don't want to win this game, and Chicago doesn't really want to win this game either, which no. is why they're playing Nathan Peterman, and it's a hip injury for Justin Fields and I did finger quotes that no one can see but I did them very sarcastically yeah. uh, about you know him not playing and, and it, you know if this was Trevor Simeon I actually have some respect for Trevor Simeon he's won games in the league before but it's not it's Nathan Peterman who by the way has thrown six passes this year and one of them was an interception I mean how yeah. how does this man throw as many interceptions as he has and still retain a job in the NFL I think that tells you how hard quarterback play is that he's still around and that teams have kept him uh, employed and he's not playing in the XFL. So I, I don't think that, um, you know, this is a real game for them. I think it's mostly like we have to feel the team. We have to put on this game and people are going to show up and watch it. But yeah, other than that, like we just want the draft pick. So for the Vikings, I think the ideal situation is getting ahead early, being able to pull Kirk Cousins in the second half. But still there's that part of me that says it's the NFL. And like all these guys are going to be like on Chicago, hey, we're not tanking. Like I'm, I'm playing my heart out here and a lot of guys playing for jobs. And every once in a while when that happens, you'll see a surprising upset. And the one that came to mind was Jacksonville last year mm -hmm. where their coach has been fired. Everything has gone completely to hell but they could play a little spoiler and not that they're even really playing spoiler on the Vikings, but they can at least make the Vikings feel really sad going into the playoffs. And from the motivation on the Vikings side, the only real inspiring factor is the small, small percentage chance that you end up with the number two seed. And the fact that you're trying to just get over what happened before I think there's maybe a debate to be had whether that's real or not. I tend to think not. I tend to think that players just go week to week and whatever happened the previous week is put in the back burner. And so, you know, if they blow out the Bears or if they lose to the Bears in really embarrassing fashion, embarrassing fashion, no, no. Uh, then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that that makes any difference to what happens in, in terms of the playoffs. Yeah, so you don't think there's a a bad taste in their mouth that they're trying to get out from that Packers game and, you know, end the season the right way. Some things that we've kind of heard Kevin O'Connell say, which is understandable. It's it's coach speak. And it, it, I, I think there's maybe some truth to it. And you want to be cool for them to get their 13th win. That's something that hasn't happened um, very often with the history of the Minnesota Vikings. I know there's 17 games now and, and all that. But, yeah, the Bears, you're right. Like, play, I, people always say, like, players don't tank kind of front offices do like you tank with who you put on the field which is what we're seeing from the bears they're playing nathan peterman i don't know if they maybe have some other um i don't even know how how many like veteran starter star kind of guys they have left after getting rid of roquan smith and some others like i don't know if maybe they'd hold somebody out like that but yeah the players on the field are going to be motivated because it's a lot of fringe like bubble guys who want to put good stuff on tape heading into next season and it's kind of interestingly, it's the same thing with the Texans, who, like Lovey Smith has said, they're going to go try to win that game, which would just be so bad for them. Like like the Jets, the Trevor Lawrence year, where they won a game and then they lost out on Trevor Lawrence. And if the Texans beat the Colts, who, by the way, are also abysmal, and the Bears lose, the Bears suddenly have the number one pick. And 
they're kind of in a nice position where they don't really need to draft a quarterback if you believe in what you've seen from Justin Fields this year, which I think most people do. And I remember us talking about him before week five and how, hey, Justin Fields, it hasn't really gone great. And then like basically right after that, he took off and has run for like 100 yards a week since then. And it's not even an exaggeration, I don't think. Like, So they have the kind of the position where if they get the number one um, pick, they'll be able to possibly trade it for an absolute haul for a team that wants to come up for a quarterback and move down and get somebody. I mean, even if you move down a couple spots, you can probably get some good compensation for that and end up with like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or whatever. So yeah, from the Bears perspective, the, the, I'm sure the front office probably doesn't want to win this game, but the players on the field, they're going to want to win this game. And this is the 2022 Minnesota Vikings we're talking about. I know it's uh, no longer 2022 technically, but this team, it, it, it's not as simple as, oh, yeah, just take an early lead and uh, put in the backups and ease off and go win the game. They don't do that ever. Like, I, from what we've seen this year, they could play, like, the 2008 Lions or whatever. Is that the 0-16 team? I think so. I think so. Like, they could play the 8 Lions, and I would have trouble picking them to win by more than a touchdown. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens here. The Vikings on paper should be able to kind of do that plan, but I, we still haven't seen it in quite some time. Yeah, the funny thing about this is if you play all of your starters and you bludgeon the Bears who aren't trying, then, of course, it's just like, well, yeah, you should have. They're tanking. But if you don't, I mean, talk about, like, you can only take a confidence hit. I don't think you can take a confidence gain. I think you can only take a hit here to be like, we couldn't even crush the Bears after losing 41-17, to and the 17 is kind of bogus. Like, after getting murdered in Green Bay, and then going to Chicago, and if you don't blow them out, then you don't feel any better about yourself, especially if one of the worst quarterbacks in the history of Roger Goodell's National Football League does anything against you. Can I just real quick read this man's stat line? Mm-hmm. He Somehow he has a win. That's amazing. Uh, but uh, Nathan Peterman has thrown a grand total of 141 passes in his career has three touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 52% completion percentage, averages 4.2 yards per attempt, meaning it would be better to hand off than for him to ever throw the football. A quarterback rating of 49.8. I mean, this is... No, that's... Yeah, I think you're looking at the wrong thing. His quarterback rating's 32.2. Oh, oh, His yards per game is 49.8. Oh, wow. You're right. I was looking at the wrong category. That's even worse. That means that throwing the ball into the ground would have registered him a higher quarterback rating. His adjusted net yards per attempt, so if you adjust for sacks and interceptions, is 0.1. Now, let me give you an idea that good quarterbacks are around seven. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that means it would be almost better to do nothing on a play than it would be to throw the ball with Nathan Peterman. And you're, you're almost like, okay, so that was weighed down by that one famous game where you threw five interceptions and a half and completed six passes. But not really, because that happened. And then the following year, he had three more multi-interception games. Like, basically, every time he played, he threw multiple picks. And then, like you said, he hadn't hadn't played for quite some time. He got in the game against the Bills a couple weeks ago, threw five passes, and managed to throw an interception on one of them. Like, I I don't know. It's got to be, like, something psychological. But at the same time, there has to also be a reason from a coaching staff perspective of, like, why he's still 
on a roster. Like he's not just designated tank commander. Like he's got to <laughs> have some value here as a. I'm, and I'm I'm sure he's a good dude and like smart and all that. But it just it just hasn't. The results have not been there on the field. So maybe this is kind of Nathan Peterman's last stand here to try to uh, prove that he should stick around on a roster in next season too. Well, I am going to look how much the Vikings could improve their defense ranking with a good game here, like with a shutout. How, how much better could they move up from 31st in the NFL in terms of points allowed? So let's see. If they, uh, if yeah, they, they can move up a few spots. If They, they could get, get to like 27th. If they get torched by Nathan Peterman. Even if you're like sitting Harrison Smith and Jordan Hicks for a bunch of plays and Daniel Hunter is there, like I that doesn't that that does not matter. If you get if, if they give up like even like 250 yards and two touchdowns with no turnovers, that is just really bad for just the confidence of your defense heading into the playoffs. Well, particularly when you consider who their receivers are, because Darnell Mooney is not going to play. So are we getting more ISM? Is he still there? Uh, no, Amir Smith Marset got cut after. Oh yeah, you're right. The oh incident. yeah, and then he landed on like the Chiefs practice squad. I knew that. Actually. Yes, the incident. Uh, actually, multiple incidences in that game because yeah. he had the block in the back. <laughs> that game. was the first like yeah. t- play where I was like, okay, Justin Fields with the legs. This guy right. is legit. And then he got called back because of a needless block in the back. So it looks like their receiving core is Nikhil Harry. Equinemius St. Brown, Velas Jones, and some of Chase Claypool. But last week, Chase Claypool had one target, zero receptions, and it looks like he played like 30-something plays. Uh, Dante Pettis also. Byron Pringle, the guy who uh, did donuts in a parking lot and got in trouble before the season. I mean, this is a horror show. They just lost to the Lions by 31. Like, yeah, it's, it's rough for the Bears right now. It really is. So here's my question uh, about the Bears, because there's really nothing to discuss here as far as this game. Aside from it can only be bad for the Vikings mm-hmm. is the way that I look at it is especially even if they don't like get even if they don't lose, even if they just don't play well, it doesn't help you in any way um, to go against this team and struggle. And also there's the injury element, which I think I think it's a, I think it's a scary noon to three for Vikings fans because of what you just saw with Brian O'Neill. Oh, absolutely. If that happens to one more player, I don't see how you go anywhere in the postseason, especially on defense when they're already as weak as they are. Um, but oh, I'm already concerned about can they go anywhere without Brian O'Neill and potentially without like anybody at center. And when we like we talk about also an offensive lineman, I mean sometimes it's just very hard to quantify. Like we have all these metrics for everyone else, but you tweeted out this yesterday the stats of Brian O'Neill. His consistency from week to week is legitimately ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he just never has a bad game. There, I, I don't know that there's anybody I've ever seen like this on the offensive line that never gets graded for just one week, like below 50 based on some matchup or something. He could take on anybody in the entire league in a league where guys are rushing off that side more than they used to back in the day where it was just right defensive ends who were great. Yeah, no, it's. I think the stat was every full game he played this year, he had at least a 63 PFF grade, which is 60 is average. Like, that's above average. Most of them are in the 70s or, or low 80s. Like, he's not piling up like Christian Darasaw, like 90 grades, but like, he's just the steadiest dude ever where you just don't really have to worry about your right tackle position, which, like you said, is a, is a really valuable thing. And then I think there's also something to be said about kind of the leadership that where he's the longest tenured guy in that room. He's a team captain. 
He's like a really respected locker room presence. And it's a big, big loss. And, yeah, they have to – I mean, they're going to try to win this game. But the one of the primary concerns going into this week is let's not get anybody important injured because that would be just such a kind of another psychological blow to your team, like – to lose another player of that caliber, or even not, it wouldn't even have to be somebody that important, but just any sort of contributor. If you lose that, you're like, man, we, it's kind of falling apart here uh, as we head into the wild card round. Yeah, and you know, even just playing Justin Jefferson at all seems every every route he runs on the Soldier Field grass is just like, is this necessary? I don't know. I'm not trying to like scare everybody. I just no. think like this is one that I think everyone's going to be nervous watching because you know it's basically worthless unless San Francisco completely blows it and Brock Purdy turns back into a pumpkin and all of a sudden like somehow they get the two seed. Uh, but now here's an here's an interesting scenario and I want to talk about the really the NFC North in the future here because that's kind of all the Bears have to talk about. But uh, would you rather get the two seed and someone hurt? but I don't tell you who gets hurt or you get just the, the three seed and come out healthy. I think it's the three seed and come out healthy for sure. I think the more interesting question is, would you rather have the two or the three seed period and not even mm. throw in an injury? And I, and common sense says that you would rather have the two seed. And I, I think I would probably still lean in that direction because from a long-term perspective, like if the Vikings are trying to win the Super Bowl this year, which they are, no matter how, realistic you think that is from the team that's ranked 28th in DVOA like having the higher seed is better because especially if it in the second round if it's Vikings 49ers having that at US Bank Stadium I would feel so much better I I mean they I don't think they would be favored but I would feel a lot better about them having a chance in that game versus if they go to uh Santa Clara for the divisional round for the second time in in four years like so so that that part of it you you'd think you want the two seed but just from the first round perspective, I think you would much rather be in the situation they're currently in and to face the Giants versus probably Aaron Rodgers and the Packers or maybe the Seahawks or Lions if, if Packers lose. But yeah, I think I think from the first round perspective, like them losing last week might have almost helped set up a much easier matchup because we know they can beat this Giants team uh, at home. We just saw it a couple weeks ago. Folks, if your New Year's resolution was to treat yourself a little bit better, I've got a suggestion. Death. That is liquid death, actually, because it's a delicious mountain water that comes in a tall boy can, and I am telling you, it just tastes different. It's ice cold and much better than water that tastes like a plastic bottle. In fact, Liquid Death hated plastic bottles so much that was what inspired their name. They also give a portion of profits to end plastic because cans are so much easier to recycle. So if you want to give it a try, nudge along that New Year's resolution, maybe put the soda aside and give Liquid Death a try. Go to Hy-Vee, Target, Whole Foods, wherever you get your groceries, or go to liquiddeath.com slash insider that is liquiddeath.com slash insider and find out where you can get liquid death today hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
go to your happy price, price line. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I guess the only counterpoint to that would just be if you are concerned about the Lions Packers, like, I don't know. Are are you really that competitive to begin with? Like everyone wants an easier matchup for sure. You don't want to face Rodgers when he's feeling more confident. You certainly don't want to face a top five offense when you can't stop anyone. I was just looking at Daniel Jones's big time throw percentage and it's, the only person who's lower in the league is Matt Ryan. But actually, it doesn't require big-time throws to beat the Vikings. It really just requires throwing to wide-open receivers over the middle of the field, which he did effectively. But I just think in, in general, like none of those teams, if you are a big-time contender, should be scary to you. But the team that is scary to you is San Francisco. So in the second round, right. I mean, like if you can't beat any of those three teams, then you weren't going anywhere anyway. Yeah. When it, I mean, the, the, the Packers, I will just maintain, are not good. <laughs> I still think they're not good after seeing them. I, I don't think they're bad, but I think that they are what their record says they are. They're like a 500 team who can play pretty well at times or pretty bad at times. And even there were you know moments in that game early with their offense where Aaron Rodgers gets sacked for a 16-yard loss on fourth and one you're like I don't know if this team has really got it going on you know yeah, what I mean we were talking about that we were like they were down early off of a couple of weird plays like a kick return touchdown an interception return touchdown and we're like the Packers offense just hasn't looked that good which makes you think the Vikings might have a chance to get back into it and then they just kept shooting themselves in the foot with turnovers and it turns out they couldn't really stop the run uh which is a big deal when you're trying to come back from a, a two-score deficit. But, yeah, the, the funniest thing to me would be, like, the 49ers have dominated the Packers in the playoffs, and they've been kind of the underdog in a lot of those games, and they've ended the Packers' seasons in NFC Championship games and, and whatever. It, the, the, if the Packers beat the Lions, it sets up a potentially very interesting scenario where the Packers could be the seven seed, go to San Francisco as the two seed, and maybe flip that script because – the 49ers are the much better team, but the Packers are, are hot right now. And if you just boil it down to Aaron Rodgers against Brock Purdy, which I know there's a lot more to uh, football than that, but that would make you think the Packers would have a chance in that game if they play the way they've been, been playing recently. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't count the Packers out. Which, against... like, Vikings fans might be rooting for because then that sets up a second home game. It, yeah, it would. Right. Cowboys and, or Bucks. Right. They would play. Eh, Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah. probably. Although. Although Tom Brady. Although Tom Brady throws for 400 yards. And that would be funny, too, because the Cowboys have like eight more wins than the Bucks, but they have to go to Tampa because, you know, NFL playoff system and all that. Div- right. Divisions. And, and just Mike McCarthy and yep. Dallas kind of has this tendency. 
if I'm Dallas and I peeked over at the box score of what Tom Brady did against Carolina, I'd be like, oh, come on. Like that, what, just now he finds it, uh, but it really looks like he found it in that game. And you don't want to overreact, but it's Tom Brady. They also have a good defense and weapons that are getting healthier. Like I wouldn't want to face them at all. Uh, yeah, when just when it comes to the discussion about the Vikings and their chances in the playoffs overall, those scenarios that you just laid out are exactly why I'm not willing to be like, well, you know, they have a negative point differential, so there's no chance they could go anywhere here or, or whatever, because you don't know how things are going to match up. We have been assuming so much, but you can't assume anything in the NFL playoffs. I mean, we saw this last year where two four seeds end up in the Super Bowl after that hasn't happened in a long time, where it's always been number one or number two seeds. And then all of a sudden you get the Tennessee Titans are the number one seed. They're a paper tiger of a one. Cincinnati draws a favorable matchup. And with the Vikings, it's the same kind of thing where if you play a team that has a great defensive line and so forth, that it's going to be hard for you. Uh, but if you get a little bit favorable of a matchup or a team gets a guy hurt or whatever, like there's so many things that can happen in the playoffs that we just can't sit here and predict at this moment. But I think that if you are the Vikings, you do kind of want Green Bay because I think they have a better chance against San Francisco. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know because, you know, Detroit's offense is so good, but it feels like Green Bay would have a better chance. Is that, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. I, I definitely would would be, believe a little bit more in Green Bay going against San Francisco than I would the Lions. This Lions team, is they're fun. And like it's a cool story that they to really turn things around, and they do have a genuinely good offense. But I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't trust them in that. That that feels like a bad matchup to me. Them going to San Francisco, like that San Francisco would be able to shut down a lot of things that they do well on offense and really kind of fluster Jerry Goff. And it also seems who, like the Lions. West Phillips is a big fan of apparently. Yeah, Wes Phillips was a big fan. He should be. He went yeah. to the Super Bowl. I, the thing with Jared Goff that always blows me away is when people act like he's a horrible quarterback. Like, I don't know, man. The, the guy has operated three top five offenses. How many quarterbacks in the league have operated three top five offenses? Like, there's there's a lot of value in just throwing the ball where you're asked to throw it. All of us want Mahomes. Everyone in the whole universe wants Mahomes. But it's sort of like, I don't know, maybe I could come up with an NBA comparison where, okay, Mahomes is like Jordan or Kobe Bryant, mm -hmm. but what's Jared Goff? Like a, a Dame Lillard or something? I don't know, like a really solid player. I think Dame is a little bit still too spectacular. Yeah, of, of yeah a, a little too highlight, really. Um, like somebody where there's no highlight reels, and yet the guy is just consistently really good. Yeah, like like Julius Randle or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, that's Recent right. Recent Julius Randle. Somebody who's just really solid. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, not quite a not quite a Carl Malone because um, no. he put up too many points. But somebody can help me out with an NBA comparison there. But there's a, there's a lot of players like that in sports that do not have the highlight reels and everything else, but do their job pretty solidly and really well. And their teams win, and they put up big stats and stuff. Like Jared Goff has forty two hundred yards, twenty nine touchdowns, seven picks, and a top five offense. And sometimes, like I don't know, is he any good? Like, yeah, I think he's good. Uh, but if you put him on a horrible team, probably Patrick Mahomes on a horrible team is like five hundred or better. Yeah. Probably still better. Jared Goff is obviously not that. So, but if you're talking about a playoff matchup. I think that the Lions play games where it's either home run or strikeout. They either put up 40 and play great, 
or they give up 300 yards rushing. Yep. There's major variance with that team where the Packers play this grind it out. I mean, most of the time, if they don't get a kick return for touchdown and three picks, but the, you know they're going to win like 21-17, which makes it you know kind of, I think, even the playing field a little bit with a team like San Francisco that a lot of times wants to play the same way. Yeah, and I just think like ceiling-wise, the Packers have a much higher level that they can get to on both sides of the ball than the Lions do. I just still don't trust the Lions' defense at all. Like the Packers, I mean, they came into the season as the heavy favorites in the NFC North, kind of for a reason, and we've seen that a little bit. I mean, their their five game winning streak here is kind of interesting to me because like that Vikings game, there was just a bunch of weird things that happened. The Vikings like showed up wearing ballet flats and couldn't like stand up straight. And like Tua in the previous game on Christmas, like it was quite possibly, I think he was, in fact, it's been confirmed that he was probably concussed in that second half and was throwing the ball directly to the Packers. And they had a couple wins over bad teams before that. So you're still not necessarily like, all right, the Packers are going to come out of nowhere and make a run to the Super Bowl as a seven seed because we saw a lot of their problems earlier in the season. But just talent perspective, like, you saw and Preston Smith is a good player, like Devondre Campbell. Jair Alexander played extremely well against Justin Jefferson the other day. So, um, And then, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is is still Aaron Rodgers and has made some really good throws the past couple of weeks. So I, I still would definitely uh, trust them more. So for, as weird as that is for Vikings fans, I think – I mean, definitely you can root against them this week if you want, like root for the Lions or whatever. But if you want the Vikings – to have two home playoff games as a three seed, the Packers are probably the best bet to get you there. Yeah, telling people to root for the Packers. I'm especially. not. I, you you <laughs> do whatever you want to do, whatever you're mentally you can uh, kind of grapple with. But well, the most important thing is it doesn't matter what you root for. Is sure. that it's whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's a good point. Uh, that's a, that is a common question of like who should I root for? Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> like it doesn't. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like you know, you would prefer that. But your rooting does not change. The only thing anything. your rooting changes is like your mood after the result. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So let's talk about the Bears' future for a second here. If the Bears get the number one draft pick and take Will Anderson, which I think they might do, or they might trade down and take him at number two, or something. they should take him. He's a monster player. He's like a Khalil Mack. Like they need that guy. They need lots of guys. I guess I was not really in draft scout mode yes right but there is right. going to be an interesting conversation between will anderson and jalen carter yeah, on georgia yeah. who is like he looks like like a chris jones quinn and williams type of interior defender which can be really really valuable as well but then it's like will anderson absolute stud on the edge so either way uh one of those they'll two, take one of those two right guys. who knows who will be better but like one of those two guys i was just picking will anderson because that seems like in mock drafts i've seen he's always like in the top three mm -hmm. uh so let's just say that they're taking him i think that their next season could be like what we've seen from the lions this year and, and not in them getting a top five offense all of a sudden but like the lions drafted aiden hutchinson and they went out and they got some players to put around um jared goff and they are a very competitive team that is also not a real contender yet but I think we would all agree that Detroit is on the best path that they've been on since I don't even know when. Uh, they had one year under Jim Caldwell where they had like a top five defense and they were they were pretty darn competitive. But aside from that, I mean, it, most of the time it was like the rebuilding Lions forever. 
This is the best path that they've been on. Chicago, I trust a little bit less, and I because I think a they're really far away roster wise, and so signing a handful of players will not just resolve all their problems. But also, I'm not totally convinced that Justin Fields is going to be the next like great quarterback. Where I know exactly what Jared Goff's going to do. Like Jared Goff's going to keep doing this, and I think the Lions should stick with Jared Goff for now. Um, and if they need to make a change eventually, like Goff to Stafford, then they can do that. But with Fields, when I look at his numbers, I mean, I'm amazed by what he could do running-wise. And his passing is better. But he leads the NFL in sacks. He's got way too many turnover plays. His big-time throw rate's not that high. And, and like receivers and linemen and all these things, they matter a ton in the NFL. But there's still moments with that guy where you're like, I don't know if he sees it. Like, I don't know if he just sees where he's supposed to throw the ball or his the decisiveness is there. So next year is really going to tell the story with them. But like how far along in their rebuild do you think they can get to in a short period of time before next season? I think they can go pretty far because they have so much at their at their disposal in terms of assets. I think it's a really actually interesting question is would I rather right now be a fan of the Detroit Lions or a fan of the Chicago Bears? And I think you are saying that you would pick the Lions here. I think so. Because, A, they're further along. They have a more complete roster right now. They have a known quantity quarterback who's playing well. I get the feeling they're probably going to lose Ben Johnson to somebody else, if not this offseason, pretty soon. So that's maybe a concern. I might go the other way, though, and and, and go with the Bears because I, I just believe in the upside of Fields. He's not a better quarterback than Jared Goff right now by any means, but the rushing talent is is special. It's yeah, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. It's Michael Vick. It's on that level, and I think the the you've seen some flashes of him throwing the ball. And a big thing for me is like it's hard for me to evaluate him throwing the ball when like Riley Reef's been his best offensive lineman at times, and like Byron Pringle's been his number one wide receiver. Like that's those are slight exaggerations, but the roster around him has been just horrendous outside of like maybe running back and like Cole Komet at tight end. Like so, they have a lot of work to do, Ryan Poles to to set them up and, and to really put a competent roster around Fields next season, so you can truly evaluate in year three what is this guy's ceiling. And I think if they put those pieces around him, I mean, twenty twenty three cap space, second place with the most cap space is the Atlanta Falcons with sixty nine million. Nice, nice. Uh, first place is the Chicago Bears with one hundred and nineteen million. Oh my gosh, they are fifty million more than anyone else. They have gotten rid of. Everything on their books this year, and clearly, like in a deliberate plan to set themselves up where they're going to have a top, maybe the number one draft pick, which I think you'd be smart to move down to two or three and, and try to get some more out of that. Uh, other top draft picks, I'm sure, although for some reason they traded a second rounder for Chase Claypool, which just looks so bad. Not great. But 120 million basically in cap space, they can go out and sign a bunch of like impact veterans who can just be competent and are good and, and help elevate or help Justin Fields elevate the whole thing. So I don't know. It, I think it comes down to how much you believe in Fields, which I think I'm higher than him. I'm maybe higher on him maybe than you are. And then how much you believe in like Ryan Poles, which I think is a little shaky so far, but I, I, I like to think that he's still probably a good, a good general manager and they just have all these assets in front of him. So I don't even think next year. I mean, I think the Lions could even keep ascending next year. I don't think the Bears are going to catch them. But if the Bears take big steps to sort of look like the Lions next year, where they're hovering around 500, I think you'd feel really good about them 
going into 2024. And, and so I do think if you ask me to, to kind of pick one of those two, two teams right now for the next three or four or five years, I think I would go with the Bears. It could look a lot like Jacksonville, yeah. where you know, they were so horrendous. And then they spent a ton of money and everyone said, well, I don't know if you got good deals. And yet it didn't matter because they had so much cap space and they became a very competitive team about halfway through the season when they started to really put the gas down and Doug Peterson's coaching started to take hold. And, uh, you know, I don't think from watching Chicago that Matt Eberflus is some sort of terrible coach. I guess we'll find out when he's got more talent, if he can coach or not. This is a year that's just completely lost for them. But your point about the salary cap space This is what makes it so interesting to talk about them and the Vikings, not the game that they're going to play, but just from where they are, because from day one of Ryan Poles picking Chicago, and and we don't know this for sure, but part of his decision had to be influenced by the blank slate. You don't have to keep anything. You buy the house and you get to remove all the furniture, take the paintings off the wall, knock down the barn out back and build a basketball hoop. You could do whatever you want in the future where what Quasi Adafo Mensa took over. They're like, no, no, we've got some sentimentality here. You know, we really like that fireplace. You can put some new wallpaper yeah. up if you want, right. but it's, that's about it. Right. It's furnished. You can hang windows or you can hang paintings, but you can't punch holes in the walls. And you know, that's a very different situation. And it's paid off for the Vikings. It's been a success because here they are. I mean, I don't want to say it's a complete success yet because I think they have to win in the playoffs first. But they're here. They're in a position to compete for the Super Bowl. It worked for you. And it worked for Ryan Poles to be the worst team in football and to reset everything with their salary cap and move on from all old players. And where these two teams go from here, there's just no argument that the Vikings are in a better spot for the future, for right now, of course. Like one team's playing Nathan Peterman and the other team's preparing for uh, to compete for the Super Bowl. But as far as the future goes, when we weigh those assets, what anchors do you have? Which the Vikings have a lot of financial anchors. Yeah, um, and on the uh, this is the spot track um, cap space rankings that I was just referencing. Vikings are uh, 26, that negative 7.5 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're not, they're not the Saints here at like minus 60 somehow, but it's not great. Not only that, but you have also players who. Like Patrick Peterson, I mean, if Patrick Peterson isn't saying, come back to the negotiating table here after I was your number one corner and played great all season long and was the only thing you had back there, right? And so, Delvin Tomlinson, right? Delvin Tomlinson, yeah, he needs to be extended because they did the whole void thing with his contract. And those are suddenly, by the beginning of uh, next year in the offseason, those things are suddenly going to be very dicey to tiptoe around. And the Vikings can still be a really competitive team next year. It's probably similar to this year, though. Can you get better from this year next year? Probably not. You're aiming for, at best, repeating the strength that you had where the Bears are kind of going to come hard and fast. Uh, Recent tanking teams, it hasn't worked for all of them. It certainly hasn't. But you know, someone like Miami had a quarterback that was being questioned, didn't have a great supporting cast. Then they get Tyreek Hill, and everything is different. And I think that's what you need to be concerned about for Vikings fans looking at Chicago is that there's just, I mean, everything is there. It's like um, there was that uh, 60 Minutes report the one time. I don't know. This is like a deep cut reference <laughs> where Michael Jackson walks into this incredibly high-end art store, and he's just going like, 
And this has been tweeted a handful of times, so maybe you've seen it out there. But he's just like, I want that, and I want that, and I'd like that. It's like, that's Chicago. This yep. offseason, they're just like, I'll take one of those. I'll take some linemen. I'll take some D linemen. Like, they can do whatever they want. That does not guarantee success, for sure. But if you're talking about which team in the five-year plan has kind of a, a clear outlook where the other team is going to have to reset a lot of positions uh, on the fly – I mean, I, I think that if you're the GM of one of those teams, your job is way easier to be Ryan Poles right now than it is Quasi Adolfo Mensa. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they the Bears have a clear kind of direction that they're going to go, and they're going to spend a lot of money, and they're going to just start trying to build this thing, whereas we are in for yet another offseason of the Vikings being kind of in limbo a little bit, where they have these veteran contracts, Adam Thielen, uh, Eric Kendricks, Dalvin Cook, what are they going to do with, with stuff like that? We're, we're obviously going to have the Kirk Cousins discussions again because it's another situation where after the season he only has one year left on his contract with the extension. Like It's just going to be it's gonna be another interesting offseason for the Vikings for sure, whereas the Bears just they have one goal to go out and do in free agency and just spend a ton of money, and the Vikings have a lot of decisions to make. And the interesting thing is like, there could be a situation where the Vikings get better next year. Let's say year two, Kevin O'Connell's offense. Year two, uh, maybe Ed Donatello's defense or maybe a new defense. I, I don't know. We'll see about that. Uh, yeah, I'm a little – that's that's a whole other discussion. But, like, they could improve because they're going to probably give Justin Jefferson a huge contract extension and keep him around, and he's really good. And Christian Derrissaw is going to continue to play really well and – uh, maybe they start to get some stuff out of their uh, out of their draft class from this year if if seen and Booth and people like that can stay healthy and Asamoah can kind of be what we've seen in a more full time role uh, and things like that. Like they could be better next year. It's not they're not guaranteed for regression in terms of team quality, but they could be better next year and be like nine and eight because they're not going to win go eleven and zero in one score games and there's going to be. Uh, some regression probably in in that sense. Uh, Kevin O'Connell is at some point in his career going to lose a one score game. I think. Right. Yeah. Um, could happen as soon as the playoffs this year. I don't know, but like that's that's what's really interesting about the Vikings is they're it, like they could still go up slightly. I don't think they necessarily have to have plateaued, mm -hmm. but also what is the ceiling when you're running it back with. Kirk Cousins core and and kind of everybody that's that's in place right now I right. I don't know whereas with the Bears it's so much more of an unknown where you are down here at the bottom right now by it very like you you're three and thirteen it's it has not gone well but there is a clear kind of way for you to envision that just kind of doing the Jaguars thing and going up and and kind yeah. of almost exponentially. Uh, improving over the next three or four or five years. Right, and one thing you know about Fields is that he's not Zach Wilson. You know that he is a success to some extent and could win you football games under the right circumstances where like, he's not a bust. Uh, there are questions, but he's not a bust. So since we're on this topic and this game doesn't matter to either one of us and we can talk about whatever, uh, let's say that Kirk Cousins, and I've got a comparable for this that might sort of blow your mind a little bit, that Kirk Cousins signs in this offseason a five-year $150 million contract with $94.5 million guaranteed. This is another quarterback. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Oh, this is an exact uh, contract that has happened. So this is a, an exact contract okay. that has happened by a somewhat 
comparable quarterback, honestly, a probably better quarterback okay. than Cousins, but not by a ton. And, and who he was at this time, maybe I'm giving it away, but like who he was at this time is probably similar to what Kirk Cousins is right now. A five-year, $150 million deal with 94 guaranteed. Would you do that for Kirk Cousins? Oh, man. Is this a recent thing? Should I try to guess who it is? Or That's kind of, that's kind of getting away from the, the question here. Um, man, that is, I would be, I, I don't think I would. That was a 34-year-old Matt Ryan. I was gonna. I was thinking Matt Ryan yep. because of the way you you framed it. I was thinking Matt Ryan. Right. He yeah. Was, he was I, removed from the MVP and all that. Wasn't the same quarterback from when he won MVP in 2016. It it wouldn't stun me if like the Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Dolphins and the Vikings wanted to do something like that, and they really believe like. Hey, the toughness Kirk's shown this year, the late game stuff, the way he's played in this offense over the course of the season, like if they just want him to be their guy, that's kind of you're, you're still it's it's the discussion we've had for years like you're, you're you're giving yourself a floor, but you're paying a lot for it and you're not really sure how much ceiling you're giving yourself. So I I don't know. I would be skeptical to do that, but then again, if you go in another direction, who knows where you end up at quarterback? Like, you're gonna roll the dice in the draft. You're gonna sign somebody else. Like, it just becomes this whole, this whole mess. So, I could see them potentially opting for the stability in the, in the floor there. I I don't know. Okay, here's a question. You also got to pay Justin Jefferson five years, 150 million or more. Uh, and Christian Darrisaw. And Christian Darrisaw. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and Daniel Hunter. And Daniel Hunter. There's a lot of people to pay that are going to be parts of this future. Uh, and you don't have 120 million like the Bears do. Do you think that the result of the first round playoff game will swing how they feel about extending Kirk Cousins? Ooh, the 2019 New Orleans Saints question, huh? Right, because you—it sounds ridiculous to ask. Like, what the sample size is gargantuan with this guy, but it's happened before. It, it literally has happened before, where them winning that game in New Orleans positively impacted the futures of Kirk Cousins and. Actually, Mike Zimmer at the time as well. But, ah, man, I don't know. I I don't necessarily think it should. It kind of ties into something that I've been thinking about as we're recording this and even just throughout the week. Um, like, what do we determine as a success for this season? Are they already there? Because I think you could argue coming into the season with the expectations they had, first-year head coach coming off two rough seasons where they missed the playoffs, the whole culture was kind of soured under Mike Zimmer. You could make an argument that this has already been kind of an overwhelming success. They've won the NFC North. They've won 12 games. And maybe more importantly, the concrete stuff with the culture and with Kevin O'Connell being a long-term, like, encouraging head coach is right there. Like, I think – I don't think anybody really questions whether Kevin O'Connell is going to be the guy here for a while with with just – the I mean, obviously the on-field offensive acumen that stuff's really important but just the off-field like the leadership like the way he gets guys to buy in and care and and the atmosphere that he's cultivated so in that sense you could call it a success but when you win all these games you kind of raise the bar a little bit and I think if they go into U.S. Bank Stadium against Danny Dimes and the New York Giants and they lose by that game by 10 like I don't know if people are looking back at this season all that fondly I mean I think probably after some time they still would because a lot of awesome things happen this year. Yeah. A lot of really, really fun games if you're a Vikings fan. A lot of really just exhilarating wins. 
Uh, and then, you know, they've been down 40 and 41 to three a couple times, but that, that's neither here nor there. Um, but so that's, that, I guess I would be curious to know what you think. Like, are they, is it already a success or do they need to at least kind of win the wild card game and maybe not lose by 35 in San Francisco? I think that as of this moment, they're probably leaning toward another short-term extension. Uh, but on Kirk's side, he's going to look at Matt Ryan. He's going to look at Russell Wilson, similar ages, and go, that's what you need to pay me. And I, if you're the Vikings, like, how do you even make that happen? You know, because he's going to, we, he expressed this at the beginning of the year, wanting to be a Viking for life. So if you're going to be a Viking for life, that's like a five-year contract. If that's what he's asking for, like, hey, guys, I did the winning thing that you asked for. I did the clutch thing that you asked for. And he's sort of, in a way, like half snarkily referred to that before of just like, well, you know, if they want me here long term, I got to win more games, which has always been true. Uh, And so now he's won the games. So if you're his agent, you're going to be like, well, you guys need to fully buy into him as your quarterback because he's proven he can get you there. But if you're Kwesi Adafo Mensa and you're the analytics GM and you're all about projecting toward the future, this is Kirk Cousins' worst statistical season. And when they put everything on his back to operate the offense and it was, it's a, it's a good offense for sure. But are you going to project it forward to get better when he's going to be 35? And, and we've talked about like Russell Wilson hit that age thing. Matt Ryan hit that age thing. Like it's already here. It's not getting better. That arm isn't getting stronger from here on out. He's not getting faster. And my God, is he taking a lot of hits this year? So if you're projecting forward, five years like you're just asking to put yourself in an even worse position when you have to pay those other players but like you said at the same time like there's a stability element to this for someone like Kevin O'Connell that if you draft a quarterback and you move on from Cousins after next year you don't know what's coming after that Um, but I guess it does work out timing wise to already have uh, Justin Jefferson at that point under a long-term contract that makes him the most expensive quarterback in the league. So they could choose to just let this thing play itself out at the same time. It benefits them cap wise next year to extend him, lower that cap for at least the first part of it. And then like kick that can down the road again. I think it is a really difficult decision for them what to do unless he goes to the NFC Championship or Super Bowl, and then it becomes much easier because everyone's going to be on board with him signing a contract extension. If he throws for 212 yards at six yards a pass and they lose 24-17 in the first round of the playoffs, I don't know how you sign an extension. I just don't. like. That's how much that last impression always ends up sitting with people. Yeah. But... I, I think they would have to look at it and be like, it was a good year for him. He was super clutch. He's They respect him a ton. But at the same time, like that's kind of who you have here. And we can maybe do better. Like It occurred to me that I didn't actually answer your question, but I agree with you that like I think there's a baseline level here where like, which is we're probably, which is what we're expecting, I think. Maybe they win another three-point game against the Giants and we all write about the one-score stuff and then, they go to San Francisco and they lose by like 15 or something. And then you're like, all right, that didn't really change our our opinions or or what we know here. We already saw a big sample size of that. And then it's obviously – either way, it's still a really interesting decision. But you're right. If they go beat San Francisco or beat Dallas or beat whoever in the second round, go to the NFC Championship game, competitive in the NFC Championship game, 
obviously if they win and even go to the Super Bowl, I think like you're really talking about Kirk Cousins and and, and kind of a long term. What are we gonna like? Let, let's let's keep this relationship going. And then the uh, the opposite being if it's just a mess in the wild card and and they don't get out of that round. Like I think those games do matter and. The sample size is large, but I think you're going to look at those things if you're Quasi Dolphamensi. You're like, I want to let's see what happens here because it's, it's legitimately interesting. And I just wonder how much like a, a guy like Quasi and, and other GMs around the league look at like the Russell Wilson thing and just say like, man, tying yourself to a good but not like elite. At one point, Russell Wilson was probably elite. Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely was, but a good aging quarterback who happens to be from the same draft class as Kirk Cousins for a long time that can get you in trouble real quick if he like falls off a cliff like Russell Wilson did because oh my god if you're the Denver Broncos right now and like I think George Payton's a really smart dude and like a good GM but he made he he put his eggs in that basket and it has gone horribly and now they have to pay Russell Wilson like millions and millions and millions of dollars I mean that's not even like all NFL top quarterbacks get that, but a lot, even compared to the top quarterback, they are paying him a ton of money right. for a long time. They can't get out of that. Like the dead money would be just so astronomical. They can't get out of that until like 2025 or something. And you don't have any draft picks. So it's, that is a really good cautionary tale right there of what can happen when you go all in on like a 32 year old, good maybe great quarterback even well it happened after Flacco won the Super Bowl that they were just not that competitive for years after that and part of it was signing him to that huge contract extension uh it happened with Matthew Stafford he had his final great season and then got hurt a bunch this year as he so often does but he didn't in their Super Bowl run and with Cousins I mean, there is another way to look at it. Like, this was the best you were going to do in terms of winning with him, and it's probably not getting better than this unless you believe he's going to lead eight-game winning drives again next year and NFL record. Like, when he averaged two or three per season before this. Uh, get, the, get the man a right guard who can pass block. Well, that point, is but. true, and then, you know, that, that argument is always made. Like, well, if you just get him this and you just get him that, and look again, he deserves all the credit for winning those games and for commanding the offense the way that he has and getting them to the point where they can go and have a chance to compete for the Super Bowl. But that's not the discussion. The discussion is, are you gambling on someone who's going to be 35 and then a five-year contract out in front of that? Like That's a really tough gamble to make. If they, but if they go out in the first round, I don't know how you can do it. Yeah. But, but it also seems really weird to say that one game at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Giants is what you're going to hinge your entire decision on. It's also the reality of the NFL. Like, I really think that if Derek Carr had won the playoff game against Cincinnati last year, that he'd still be a Raider right now. That they'd be like, well, look, he won in the playoffs last year, so let's give him another season. For It's just how this works that... Like there's so, and, and even Ryan Tannehill, like, do they draft Malik Willis? If Ryan Tannehill wins the playoff game against Cincinnati, those games just carry so much weight. And I think that it will with this decision uh, with uh, Kirk Cousins. So um, I, I think if I'm Quasi, like the whole five year idea would really scare me with, with Kirk Cousins. So I think I would be trying to, I mean, you don't have to just keep doing like a one year extension after one year extension, but like, if he looks good in this playoff run and they win some games and 
and, and you can sort of talk yourself into like, all right, his, the, his connection with Justin Jefferson has been really good. His like he's improved over the course of the season under O'Connell. Let's maybe try to have a season where he's not like setting records of the most times getting hit. Like this can continue to be something like maybe I offer like a three year deal. Yeah. At like 35 million a year or, or whatever it is. But the price is going up though, man. I yeah. mean, it's well, quarterbacks price, are going to be asking for 40 plus. prices across the league are going. I mean, Justin Jefferson's going to get the, he's going to get con- 30. He's going to get the biggest contract ever given to a wide receiver. Yeah. And rightfully so. And that could be another part of the equation is like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is getting like 50 mil. I mean, it's just crazy. And has there been that big of a difference between those two at the quarterback position this year? Like, not really. Uh, if anything, Kirk has probably been better on the on the whole than Aaron Rodgers has been this year. So, anyway, uh, this turn. I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the Vikings elevated Josh Rosen from their practice squad on Sunday, could they beat the Chicago Bears with Josh Rosen playing quarterback? Yeah. You think so? Well, they've, they've got Nate Peterman. Like, sure. Josh Rosen is definitely... That would be funny, though, because those are, like, man. the two worst quarterbacks of the last, like, six years statistically. I think... Do you think someday Rosen... I think Josh Rosen could... Has a could, moment? Could win that game. You think he has a moment ever? I'm not saying that he'll ever become good, but that he has some game where he's playing backup quarterback for somebody, starter gets hurt, he throws for 320 and four touchdowns. And now here's, like, oh, Josh Rosen, former top 10 pick. Here's my argument for why this someday will happen. Matt Barkley. Yeah. Matt Barkley had one of those games after playing for a ton of teams. He had to play for the Bills one game and just went completely nuts. Matt Flynn did it. Like the yeah. ran, the random quarterbacks have done this around the league. It does happen. But I do think if they elevated Rosen and played him, that they could beat the Bears. Like that's and how I, bad the Bears they wouldn't are. do that over because like they're going to play Nick Mullins. Yeah, they play but... Mullins. They could definitely beat him with Mullins. Oh, absolutely. I, I think they I think, should. I think that's <laughs> what should happen after like a couple Kirk Cousins series, like. Like a preseason game, yeah. maybe where you try to go get a little lead, but that then that's weird too because you're like then if you're not leading, you got to keep Kirk in, and you're just the longer you go like that, the more you're worried about a completely unnecessary injury. And it's I don't gonna know, be we'll weird. See. Are you going? Um, I still haven't decided if I'm going to Chicago for this game or not. I already that's, that'll be a game time decision. I already booked okay. stuff before they announced Peterman. I think I might have changed my mind, but. We'll the Peterman see. thing definitely uh, threw a kind of made me think twice about because uh, I I wouldn't fly I would just drive there like I usually do. But oh yeah, how long of a drive is it? I always fly it's six hours. That's not that bad. I and I like driving and I go to Chicago like three or four times a year to see mm-hmm. all my Northwestern friends. So I might I may go for that reason more than just uh but apparently they're doing like in person open locker room here on Monday. So then I probably wouldn't be there for that if I'm driving. Oh. So a lot goes into the. Uh, the decision we'll it does, see it does okay but well this uh this we, turned out to be intense we uh, both think the vikings are gonna win yeah, this game. i'm not even gonna <laughs> not even gonna pick it what is will our, they win by will they win by more than i think so eight points for the first time since freaking september i'm gonna say i'm gonna say 28 to 7 okay i think they'll just take care of business just, and like if you can't you, no matter who's playing just win the game by at least 10 just to prove you can. <laughs> just just so I don't go insane <laughs> with this team. All right. Next week, our preview will be of an actual playoff game. And that one is going to be intense. No future talk in that one. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And hold on to your butts. Nathan Peterman. In Chicago. Nathan Peterman. Good day.